Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another weekly edition of the uh, Texas Tech Football Podcast brought to you by LubbockOnline.com and the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. I'm Don Williams from the uh, AJ Sports Department. To my left is uh, Carl Silva Jr., AJ Media Sports Editor. We're trying things a little differently this week. Technically, I'm in front of you, Don, if you count this Zoom deal. So, are you in front of me? I you're suppose to, you're to my left on my screen. So that's well, that, that that is true. I'm technically to your left in the office, but we're trying to do the social distancing thing a little bit better. So nine months ago. Uh, if you had told me we were going to do a podcast on Zoom or if we were going to do anything on Zoom, I would have wondered uh, what in the heck you were talking about. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm, cu- I'm curious when, they, when the pandemic actually ends and subsides, will we still be doing sports stuff this way? I would think so. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. Like I said, it's a lot easier to go to a last-second press conference that's on Zoom that I'm already at home or in the office to compared to, you know, like you and I would be writing a story and then five minutes later we're hauling in our in our car somewhere. But I can certainly see the advantage of it. But there's nothing like actually just talking to the person in front of you, which hopefully that is sooner rather than later. But this is what we got. Hopefully it sounds a little bit better audio wise, obviously uh, could be a little bit better, but we just don't have the equipment right now. So we're doing with what we have. So Saturday, Tom Herman is going to have the Texas Longhorns here. They're not actually going to be in Jones stadium by zoom. They're actually going to be in Jones stadium in the flesh. Horns are 18 point favorites over Texas tech. It's the big 12 opener. Both of these teams want to know Texas, Destroyed your Utah Miners the other night, Carlos, 59-3. to and When haven't they, Don? <laughs> yeah. Texas Tech did not destroy Houston Baptist, but won. Yes. 35-33, to 33, and that's left, I think, Tech people uh, concerned and with an uncomfortable feeling with the Longhorns coming to town. Again, 18-point favorites as of, as of today, which is Wednesday. And uh, – Got to be honest, uh, Texas Tech. If Texas defense is no better than it was, what twelve days ago, eleven yeah. days ago, then then this game could play out very well, like it did last year down in Austin, where I think Tech would get in, get some of it, get some shots in, score some points. But can the Red Raiders stop the Longhorns? Well, I think. 
I, I certainly think there's going to be a, a very big point, and I, would, I just want to bring this up before we obviously get into the matchup and then uh, go to the Q&A section, which you obviously enjoy because people talk on the Twitters. But I think uh, the one important factor that happened earlier this week is the fact that Texas Tech announced its COVID-19 update and that the football team does not have any active cases on its team right now. So, again, this is inferring. And I know you're putting up the, 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 the finger for a point, so feel free to make your point. It's, it's a good thing. Yes. But zero active cases does not, does not mean zero players who are – Correct. Contact crazy. Because they, they could have been in contact with somebody. Because remember last uh, Houston Baptist game, there were, by my count, about 15 guys that would have been sued up under normal circumstances that were not yes. sued. Up. And two days later – they said that there were six active cases. Mm-hmm. So I would kind of guess that, you know, some of those 15 guys who were not suited up were not suited up, not because they were active cases of COVID, but because they were guys who were in quarantine. Yeah. They had been in contact. So it is much better. And I think the numbers that you see suited up on Saturday, you certainly would anticipate you would have closer to the full squad there. But, uh, you could still be missing one or two or, or three guys. And the guys that they were missing, you know, last time out, there are some important names there with DeMarcus Fields and Colin Schooler. Not, didn't get to see either one of those guys. And I, th- I think the biggest thing that you saw that showed up in that first game against HPU was just how uh, much miscommunication there was and how much it looked like these guys had not practiced together, which, you know, we know we know that they have not had a lot of practice time together. There's been a lot of disruption. And I thought it was real meaningful, too, last week on Kirby Hoka's show. Yeah, I, th- I think we've kind of, uh, I don't know if assumed is the right word, but we've, we've kind of gone with this idea, okay, you're quarantined or isolated for 10 days or 14 days, and we kind of, take from that that, okay, you're down for two weeks and then you're back out there. But, you know, Kirby Oka on his radio show last week said that um, after that, then all these, you know, the guys who are active cases, then they scheduled them for cardiac exams. And he said, he said exams plural. He said sometimes that takes three or four days. And then beyond that, he said, it's not like they're just, uh, okay, you're cleared and then bang, you're fully, you're right back out there going uh, 100%. It's kind of a gradual return to what you would normally do. And so I think between the cardiac exam, between like the 10 or 14 day quarantine or isolation and the cardiac exams and the gradual return to play, it's probably more likely that you're having guys down for three weeks or heck, maybe even a little more than than two weeks. And so um, I think we saw that show up, particularly in the way Texas defense played against HBU. Yeah, well, the, the the one thing at least you can take away, and a, a couple of players, and even Coach Keith Patterson kind of mentioned it. Yeah, it was a bad performance when you look at it, but at least it is game film that you can look at in a game situation where some of these guys either reacted well or negative to what happened. And I think that's one thing that at least you can see as a coach or see as a player is the fact that 
you now have tape, you now know how a teammate or a player reacts. So you know the type of situation you can put them in, which I think that will help. If you're able to get a guy back like a DeMarcus Fields, obviously that would help. But I, I, I think the one thing that uh, really kind of strikes me, Don, is the fact that the defense, especially the back end, was playing to what it did last year. And I remember you had mentioned this, but I mean, they, they weren't one of the best uh, defenses in the Big 12, which isn't uh, going to bode well when most of the D, when most of the offenses, pardon me, in the Big 12 have upgraded. And uh, going into UT, Tariq Black is someone that really kind of stands out to me, the transfer from Michigan that could really hurt you. He's a big-bodied guy that not only can uh, beat you if you have a 50-50 ball, but he's a guy that can speed past you as well. Yeah, they got so much talent Any, anywhere. To, to me, I think uh, – let's go back to the past defense for a moment. Sure. And you mentioned uh, Keith Patterson saying some guys didn't react well. And that, that, that's going to be a little bothersome to me because you had guys out there who still played football. I played football for Texas Tech. Um, Eric Monroe's a new guy, but he played at, played at LSU and been, you know, in, in big big time settings. You know, it's not like you had you had true freshmen out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's kind of bothersome that uh, that you'd say these guys didn't react well and got a little jolted or a little bit shaken because these are guys who have played college football and played for Texas Tech. Um, and one of the big uh, concerns that a lot of fans had was that Keith Patterson didn't send a lot of pressure at Bailey Zappi, which I thought was, was a little bit unusual from the standpoint that Keith Patterson has been a blitz guy, has been a pressure guy. And so when we asked him about that the other day, he did say that uh, – <clears throat> I, thought, I thought he made a good defense. He said, you know, Bailey Zappi is a senior quarterback. He was uh, one of the top passing guys in the FCS last year. Uh, comes from the Cliff Kingsbury-style system and said if he'd watched them on film, you didn't see him get hit very much. What you saw was a guy who, got, who was decisive and got the ball out quickly. And so he thought if you were blitzing him that you were kind of – Wasting, wasting a player or two is, is not really the right terminology, but he thought if you were blitzing him, you probably were going to have a hard time getting to him anyway, that he was going to get the throw out, get the ball get the ball out quick. And so from his – he felt like he was, he was better served to have more guys to cover with. Now, uh, what will they do on Saturday? I tend to think he'll probably pressure a little bit more, but the risk that you run there is Sam Ellinger is so – uh, dangerous running the football. That's a little bit in an unconventional way. You, you know, usually when you think of when you talk about a running quarterback, a dual threat quarterback, you think of a guy like Kyler Murray or you know guys like that who can break it and go sixty on you. Yeah. Sam Ellinger's not. You know, he's not a guy with great sprint speed, but what he is is a big brawny guy who uh, has good uh, who has good instincts and he can kill you when it's third and eight. He can go run for 12 or when it's uh, uh, second and 15 he can go he can see a crease and uh, and take it for 18 20 yards and still get the first down he ran for 83 yards against tech last year and yeah. a touchdown I think they're I think they're probably maybe a little better equipped to defend him just with the bodies that they more bodies that they have at linebacker this year with Mary was the way he played with 
Brandon Randall, the way he played the first night, but they have so many people to account for. You talk, you talked about the receivers, and yeah, yeah. Look at the you know Texas Texas running backs room, and yeah, Keontae Ingram, <laughs> got Ingram, you got Ingram, got Rich John Johnson, those guys that you've seen in the past, and then they yeah. have Don Robinson, kid from California, that was like one of the top what ten or twenty recruits in the nation last year. Yep. He's probably more talented. He's probably the most talented guy of all of them. Um, I mean, a super uber blue chip recruit who's going to be a household name probably the next few years. It'll be Tech's first first look at him. So, you know, for a team that gave up 600 yards on the nose the first time out, um, this is not an offense to get well against. And so, this is a game where Tech's probably going to need for some turnovers, and they're going to need when they get in the red zone not to have not to be having to settle for Trey Wolf field goals. No offense to Trey Wolf, who uh, is probably who, obviously super accurate, but Tech needs sevens on Saturdays, not threes, if they're going to have a shot at this one. Well, the other interesting thing, too, is when you look at receiving, obviously, if he is able to play, Colin Schooler would be playing against his brother, Brennan Schooler, who is playing for UT. He's a wide receiver, got some playing time as well, caught two balls, 65 yards and a touchdown. Joshua Moore, someone else that we didn't mention, he had 127 yards on six catches and a touchdown. So, again, one thing you can look at the stats, yes, whatever you want to say. They were playing UTEP. They're not the best team in the world. So I think there's something to be said about that. I certainly agree with you on the fact that, yes, I think they're able to defend UT a little bit better. I don't think they're going to play with as much tempo as Houston Baptist did. They're certainly going to commit to the run a little bit more. So I think that's going to be something that'll be interesting. The other one interesting fact that I wanted to bring up, I believe Keith Patterson mentioned this, but he was a little bit surprised as to how his defensive backs reacted to some of the temple because they're so used to it in practice or they should be used to it in practice. Should I uh, rephrase that? And that was the one thing that I guess he was able to see on tape that maybe they didn't do. So I think if Texas doesn't play with the same tempo as Houston Baptist, like I would imagine that they would not. Well, and now he said that they, he's, he expects that they are going to play with a lot of tempo yeah. with Mike, with the new offense coordinator, Mike Ursus. Yeah. That was his, uh, that that's his kind of, uh, style. So he thinks, he thinks that that's going to be something that they're going to have to uh, confront again on Saturday. But yeah, but you're right about that. It was mm-hmm. something else that he said that I think kind of struck, you know, striking was, uh, you know, you, you see tempo offenses all the time. You see it in your own locker room in Texas, on your own project, on your own practice field against Texas Tech's offense. And you see it in the Big 12 against other other teams that run fast-paced offenses. So that shouldn't – you should have been better equipped to deal with that, I think. Than, you would think so. Than what you did. Than what you did. Yeah. But uh, I guess just uh, kind of looking at that, I know one other thing that we learned, uh, I don't know how much of a factor people think of into it, but I think it's a very important um, – question to ask is just backup quarterback just because of how people are going back and forth and kind of wondering who that person is. And we were able to learn that Henry Columbia would be that guy that if Alan Bowman was either out or did get injured or had his helmet off or something like that, he did mention Henry Columbia, the transfer from Utah State, who has been under the Matt Wells, David Yost offense. So 
he was able to learn his stuff quick. I think uh, that doesn't really say much about how much Maverick McIver isn't uh, flourishing in the offense. I think it says more about how they're trying to slowly bring him back from obviously the ACL injury that he suffered at San Angelo Central, the injured foot that he suffered his first year here. And certainly I think it's a huge coup for Texas Tech to be able to get that uh, immediate eligibility for Columbia, who, I mean, obviously it just goes to show he comes in, I want to say about a week or two before the season starts. And now he's at least put himself in a position to be that number two quarterback. And I think one thing for the Texas Tech offense before, I guess you kind of bring up a point here is the fact that you're comfortable bringing him in, that being David Yost and Matt Wells, because you've known what he is. You know what he's about. Yes, he may not have gotten as much playing time, but he knows how to win. He's uh, worked under Jordan Love, so he knows what it takes to to be successful in this offense. Let, let, let me, let me, let me, I'm sorry. Let me jump oh, go in. Ahead. Think about this. You said talked about the playing time that Henry Columbia got. How many games has Henry Columbia played in you? Played in at Utah State the last. How many? How many games has Henry Columbia played in the last? Not two? too many. I 13, mean, it, more than you think. Thirteen. Well, played in. Now they were in backup roles, but he played. Yeah, yeah there you played go. In thirteen games. That's what I meant. Yeah. How many games? How many games did Maverick McIver play in the last two years? Uh, that would be zero. Last two. Are you right? You're right. It happened in the second game of his, of his senior year. So Henry Columbia's played in thirteen games the last two years. Maverick McIver's played in one and part of the second game in the last two years. And to me, that's that's the big difference. People are concerned about Maverick McIver. It, you know, it's, it's not easy to sit for two years. The last time you really played an extended stretch of time was your junior year in high school. It's not easy to uh, just jump right in and pick right back up and like nothing ever happened. Versus Columbia was, again, got into 13 games worth of action for the last two years. And to my knowledge, I don't know they suffered any significant or major injury during that time. Not to my knowledge either. So he was, you know, so he was on the practice field and 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 getting into games when Maverick was not. And I think that that's the big differentiator between those two guys right now and why Columbia's sitting in the number two spot. And you know the fact that as 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 you alluded to, he was in David Yost coached him for two years up there at Utah State. Not last year, but in 17 and 18, they were together. So I know you mentioned the Texas offense. They're talented. Their defense is obviously going to be a little bit better than Houston Baptist. What can the Texas Tech offense take away from the fact that they only scored 14 points? And I know I brought this up the last time we spoke, but 14 points against Houston Baptist. I know I can't remember who had brought it up. Go ahead. 14 and what time frame? I believe in the second in the second half, if I'm not mistaken, 14 total points against Houston. Oh, in the second in the second half. Yeah, second half, if I'm not mistaken. I'm I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll look it up while I babble right now. But um, the the one thing uh, I can't remember who had said it uh, during the availability, but they felt like they didn't finish or they didn't uh, play to their potential, and they felt like they kind of let the gas off. And I think the the thing that people have to realize is that. You're going from zero to 100 to take a phrase because you literally have one non-conference game to figure everything out. Then all of a sudden you are playing probably your biggest in-state rival. And not only that, but 
a team that you're trying to beat to look for a big 12 conference crown. So I think that's something that people have to take into account that there's a big learning curve. Granted, yes, you have a lot of guys that return second year of Matt Wells and his offensive philosophy, again, not making excuses, but I certainly think there's something to being able to play together, as you had alluded to being able to get some chemistry. I think you saw a little bit of who Alan Bowman likes to throw the ball to, Eric Izakonma being that one guy because he was consistent last year. Another thing people forget is Alan Bowman didn't play a majority of last year either. So I think there were a few throws that he had even mentioned that maybe uh, he would like, well, he certainly would like them back, but he mentioned what he could do to fix them. David Yost mentioned he was maybe a little bit quicker with throwing the pass, or I, 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 I remember he was very descriptive as to what he could have done to make sure that he would have hit Dalton Rigdon in stride to make sure that you get that separation. But I, I think the one thing to take away right now is that Texas Tech is very close to at least playing better. Whether or not that's good enough to beat UT, I think is going to be the question that everyone wants answered when Saturday happens. But I guess from your perspective, Don, in terms of the Texas Tech offense, what, what is there to kind of take away in terms of positives and what can it do against a Texas defense that, again, not to really hate on my minors who are the only two and one team in the country, but they don't necessarily have the greatest offense in the world other than a, a freshman running back, maybe a pretty decent uh, wide receiver in a and a passing quarterback that maybe can get the ball there in, in a small amount of time. Well, positive takeaway, just Roger Thompson at 118 on the ground and for all the yeah. criticism that he takes, Alan Bowman really had only three uh, bad passes in the opener. You know, you, you miss, miss Rigdon could have been a touchdown, Miss Carter could have been a touchdown, and he threw a pass that could have been intercepted. Well, four, pardon me. Through a third, one pass was intercepted, and a second pass could have been intercepted. So he had four bad throws. Uh, but he also had – there are some throws that don't get talked about that were, that were really uh, some good on-target passes in that 10 to 15, 20-yard range. Um, I, I think the I think big, one of the big concerns in this game is how your offensive tackle is going to hold up, particularly when uh, yeah. Joseph Osai from uh, Texas – it is a level of it's going to be a big challenge for a guy like Ethan Card and um, and Josh Berger as well. I mean, Osai look and Mel Kiefer has him ranked as the number four outside linebacker prospect for the NFL draft in 2021. Matt Wells the other day called him the um, best outside linebacker in the Big 12. He's a high impact guy. And he's going to be coming off the edge. And you have two guys on the edge that have not played much FBS football. And they have to be able to keep Joseph Osai and, you know, rush, period. Um, they, they got to be able to give Alan Bowman a chance against that, give him time to throw. If they, you know, if they do that, then they can probably – uh, stay in this game. But if they don't, I mean, if Tech is constantly facing uh, – if Tech is facing second and 15 and, and third and 12, it's going to be a long day on Saturday. So I think that's going to be one of the interesting things to watch. And then in, in addition to that, it's not just on the edge. It's also the interior line because uh, Texas is really big in the defensive tackle positions. You know, the Coburn kid, I think – 
six two and three forty eight, something like that. They got mm-hmm. they got a lot of beef in the middle there. Um, so are they going to be able to get a push for Thompson to to be able to give you four and five yards of pop to stay ahead of the chains, or are they? Are, is Dawson Deaton and Weston Wright and Jack Anderson going to be able to uh, get a push so you don't have those guys back in Alan Bowman's lap when he is looking to throw, where he's able to step up in the pocket? Can you give him a pocket where he's able to step up and make throws? Um, so I think a lot of this, uh, you know, a lot of Texas success on Saturday is going to be determined is, is your offense. How was your offensive line able to do against their front seven? Yeah, and then the other thing too, and you kind of already alluded to it with uh, Yursich on the offensive end. You got Chris Ash, a guy that wasn't there last year. Texas, Texas with uh, two new coordinators, so really you don't have much to kind of look at in terms of game film. Where North, yeah, the, the, they said that they went back and looked at stuff from Ohio State five years yeah. ago from and from Rutgers uh, these past few years when he was head coach at Rutgers. What his defense is doing, which is what they which Matt Will says kind of what they expected that they're doing a lot of kind of more conventional four down stuff than the uh, three man front the three stack defense mm-hmm. five DBs that uh, teams in the Big 12 have had to go to these last well during the air raid era yeah well it'll certainly be interesting to see how these teams play but it, at least just based on talking to you just generally I think uh, the tempo is going to certainly be a Big factor for both teams, whether Texas Tech is able to get in rhythm uh, going up and down the field. If Texas is able to get some rhythm, it could be really tough for Texas Tech, a, a team that did struggle against Temple with Houston Baptist. Again, the other thing, too, is they did this Temple, but they didn't really do it without a running game. And that's just by design. They're just more of a passing team. Ellinger obviously has a running attack that he can go to and I think that's one thing to to keep in mind here with that but any other final thoughts Don other than the fact that uh, this could be a very difficult uh, first home game for Texas Tech in front of a crowd that may not be uh, the, the one that you were expecting but at least you're well they're close to uh, as you said they're, they're close to a sellout getting close to a sellout now 16,000 such, such as it is such as it is correct uh, we're doing this on Wednesday night and as of the close of uh, as of a couple hours ago end of the business day on Wednesday, there were only about 800, there were about 800 tickets left. Um, and the students uh, should be a really, I guess you would say, could say potentially rowdy student presence on Saturday because they made 3,300 available to students, which is, you know, that's that ratio of about 25%. They made, mm-hmm. they made 3,300 available to students on Monday, put them on sale at seven o'clock Monday morning. And those were all gone. And, uh, Five hours. And well, so, don't forget, you got the impersonators too. They'll be they'll be rowdy as well. The oh yeah yeah yeah. So all those student tickets are gone. They put another two hundred two hundred fifty on sale mm-hmm. again today, Wednesday, and those sold out in about uh, a little less than two hours. They said. So the students are going to be represented on Saturday. You know what, Carlos? They know who's not going to be represented on Saturday. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Person writers. Now they're in person. There'll be more in person registered. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. About three hundred eighty-five of those. Uh, Texas, but UT band. Oh, that's right. We want to hear uh, Texas fight in Jones Stadium on Saturday. Well, uh, which is. <laughs> well, you may hear the Matador song. Who knows? 
You, never you can know. use the magic. Yeah, because, you know, that's that's the uh, Big 12, Big 12 stipulation, though. No, uh, you know, visiting, no, no visiting bands this year, no visiting uh, palm squads, cheerleaders, those sorts of things. So, uh, so the Longhorn Band will not be playing. The, the show band of the Southwest, they won't be playing after any Texas touchdowns on Saturday. Well, I'd be remiss if I also didn't mention one person that will be there, and I'm sure you remember this. Uh, some guy named Michael Crabtree made a pretty incredible catch and provided a thrilling finish for Texas Tech when UT came as the number one ranked team back in the day. So that'll be someone that will be honored at halftime, if I'm not mistaken. So certainly, well, he won't be here in person. I don't think that I'm not sure. They're they're gonna they're gonna recognize him, but I don't. I don't Gotcha. I don't think he's here in person. That that could be correct. That, that makes his, sense. His, his, ring, his ring of honor deal is going to be in the twenty during the twenty twenty one season. When obviously they they hope it'll be in front of a, a representative, legit. Yeah. Next year, but yeah. yeah, I think he's going to be recognized on Saturday. But I don't think that he's actually going to be here in person. I could be wrong on that. Maybe. I would I would probably bet the I would I would bet the farm that you're probably right, Don. I'm usually wrong more than you are. But on that note, we got a couple questions. We'll see if you're right or wrong on some of these. Uh, first question from Charlie Erfeld. Am I saying that correctly? I apologize. Our friend Charlie Erfeld. Yeah. M M Mr. Agate, I apologize. Again, crazy, crazy times right now, Charlie. Believe me, you'll come back when you can. I apologize for breaking the streak. Um, what are the changes to the secondary to prevent a repeat of game number one, which we talked about a little bit? Uh, the, you know, the most significant developments in that front, I would simply say, is you would hope that they have more practice time together this week and during, yeah. the, and during the open week. You know, if they had more practice time together than they had in the two weeks leading up to the HBU game, um, which can make a difference. Um, I was, trying to, I was trying to recall, I think it's Jordan, or pardon me, Rico Jeffers, when he was asked, when we asked him about how much difference does it make? Oh, yeah. If you, if you have guys in and out and you don't have the same 11 guys in the same two deep out there practicing leading up to a game, he said it's huge because if you kept, don't have all the same guys, the same unit together on the field, you can't mash. And again, we saw that on, on Saturday. So you'd mm -hmm. think with the declining numbers, of those COVID positives. Yeah. He'd like to infer. I'd like to think that they have uh, had more practice time together again. It's two weeks leading up to the Texas game than they did the two weeks leading up to the HBU game. Um, from a personnel standpoint, again, maybe possibly get DeMarcus Fields back. Um, and, you know, at least in – from that standpoint, you, you bring back an experienced guy, your most experienced guy in the secondary, yeah. 30, 32 career starts. So that can make a little bit of a difference. Is it? Uh, but, you know, you're still talking about it's not something that's fixable overnight. I mean, again, mm -hmm. it's, it's a team that last year gave up more passes of, I want to say, what, 20, 30 yards? I think I think gave up more passes of 30 yards or more. The old chunk play. Another team in the FBS. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you saw just more and more of that on in the HBU yeah. game. So yeah. I don't know if that's going to be. And that was a reason some of the secondary coaches were uh, not retained as yeah. well. Yeah, so I don't know if that's going to be vastly improved on Saturday. Uh, 
but maybe from a personnel standpoint and a practice standpoint, uh, they're probably uh, better than they were two weeks ago. A little easier question and one that always uh, goes to my heart are the food questions from Randy Rosetta, friend of the show, friend of everyone, and you can hear him on the radio waves if you decide to tune it to a certain station. Uh, he's wondering, Don, what is your favorite dish at Denny's and do you order it loudly and proudly? I can't remember when the last time I've eaten at Denny's. And it's no offense to Denny's. I don't think I've had a meal there in the last few years. Well, we haven't traveled much. Yeah. Now, with that said, though, I, when I was a kid, and by that I mean a tech student, and in my days shortly after, uh, in my first few years at the AJ, first few years out of school, that was like my regular uh, frequent uh, post-work stop. And, again, this is normal working hours for us. It's nearly yeah. 10 p.m. Yeah. until we work kind of mid-afternoon to midnight, sort of. So I used to stop at Denny's all, all the time. And I always got, uh, back in the day, I would always get a, give me a burger and a bowl of chili. I had a billion bowls of chili from Denny's. Yeah. Well, that's also a good one to get at uh, the old Waffle House, too. They got some good chili there. I'm an everyday uh, slam guy. I, it's, I'm very simple. I think breakfast is one of the best uh, best deals around. Get the pancakes, bacon, eggs, a little bit of hash browns. I'm good with it. Speaking of that, I went to, uh, speaking of local places, Stacked, had some delicious chocolate chip pancakes this morning. With, uh, oh, what was, was a couple of our other media friends there? They were. They, they were sending John Sokolov off, who I had heard was uh, letting you know. So just so you know, you missed some chocolate chip pancakes, at least at least from my from my plate. So, so we'll uh, bid a bit of a fond farewell and best wishes to our, our friend John Sokolov over at Channel 34. Absolutely. And, 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 and he now gets his uh, he's now going to get his dose of Mike Leach because he's headed to Starkville, Mississippi. Yep, and I told him to give you a call. He he said you may be his first call if, if they do start a podcast over there to talk about Mr. Leach. And I told him you probably have plenty of stories to tell. And I'm sure Mike Leach will be the same exact way about you. So that should be interesting. Well, yeah. Well, so that's about it for tonight, right? I think. I would think so. I mean, I don't got any stories. <laughs> All righty. I guess I'll put a wrap on it for for us. For now, um, again, read our. We ask you to read our stuff in the paper each day, and also uh, online at lubbockonline.com. Carlos is on soccer and volleyball, and we'll have basketball cranking cranking up soon. I read a lot today. Cross your fingers. Yeah, I don't know. Chris Beard seems pretty good about it, so I think I think we'll be okay if he thinks it'll happen. Yeah. Anyhow, again, Tech and Texas uh, is a two thirty p.m. game on. Saturday, and again, for folks who are so inclined, they had about 800 tickets left as of uh, end of the day Wednesday, and uh, otherwise it is uh, televised on Fox, right? Fox? It says Fox on the schedule right now. I believe it had FS1 before, but I'm guessing they slotted it again because things had changed. So, yeah. so anyhow, we'll be uh, still providing more coverage leading up to the game, and then uh, on Saturday, and Sunday after the game. So uh, stick with us, and we, uh, uh, we'll be back with you soon. For Carl Silva, Jr., I'm Don Williams. That's another edition of the Red Raiders football Zoom podcast telecast. Thanks for uh, watching or listening. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon.